many of you know that uh, Pastor Caleb Campbell, our lead pastor here at DSBC, is on sabbatical. Uh, this is something that our board and our elders have uh, given to him and his family as a season to uh, connect deeply with God, to renew, to rest, so that he can come back and serve our church family and lead our church family for many years to come. And so today I get to, I have the honor of introducing our speaker for today. Um, I was first introduced to uh, Dr. Steve Tracy through a curriculum that he wrote called Mending the Soul, uh, an organization that provides curriculum for churches to facilitate groups. And DSBC is partners with Mending the Soul for many years. We offer groups for both men and women uh, to be able to process uh, un unprocessed hurt and, and abuse. And for me personally, I grew up in a, child, in a childhood that was um, marked by lots of abuse and even being part of maybe some churches that, in which I experienced spiritual abuse. And Mending the Soul was able to give me the words I needed, uh, the time I needed to be able to heal and to process through that pain. And again, to reconnect with God and to really be able to accept that I was a child of God. And so I'm going to invite uh, Dr. Steve Tracy to come on up. We're so excited to have him today. At, Dr. Tracy is also a professor at Phoenix Seminary, which is where uh, Pastor Caleb graduated from. So I'm hoping you might have some great stories to share with us. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Well, I get to visit periodically, and I really appreciate the opportunity. I love what God's doing at Desert Springs. I could tell some humorous, possibly embarrassing stories about Caleb, but I won't go that direction. I'll, I'll do one better. Uh, I, I love, I, this is my 26th year at Phoenix Seminary, and I love just seeing how God's using uh, my various students over the years in different contexts. So uh, we actually live in Portland. It actually, in spite of what you've heard in the news, the entire city has not burned down. Uh, it's a little rough in, in the core, but uh, it's where God's put us, and we're thankful for that, but I'm here in the fall teaching, and when I'm here, uh, Caleb and I will typically connect a few times, and it's such an encouragement to me. We got, we were together a couple times uh, this last fall, and he loves you guys. I, I trust you know that, but I, I'm working with lots of churches where pastors are bailing at record rates. Uh, COVID has brought out some of the worst, I, I'm afraid, in our culture. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Um, and we're seeing record numbers of pastors just chucking it, saying, I've had enough of this, I'm gone. And uh, man, last time Caleb and I got together several weeks ago, he was just recounting what God's doing here, uh, honest about the challenges of pastoral ministry in a, in a time of COVID. Uh, but I just... Man, he loves you guys, and he is so committed to shepherding whoever God brings in these doors. Uh, and that, is, that warms my heart. So, I, I, again, I don't think I'm telling you anything new, but as kind of an outsider, that, that blesses me. And I'm praying that he, God gives Caleb and his family an awesome break, getaway, and they come back refreshed. But in the meantime... I have a privilege of sharing this morning. But before I get into the message, uh, Don mentioned the, just the way um, your giving allows you to do lots of things, not just at Desert Springs, but in the whole community. Um, you may not know this, but uh, Desert Springs uh, has partnered with Mending the Soul and gave us a generous gift this fall. 
we have some new curriculum. A lot of you, I think, quite a few of you are familiar with our workbook, uh, Help People Heal. Don mentioned that. It's really in-depth, but not everyone's ready for such a deep, deep dive. Uh, so Celeste created a new workbook called Explore um, that's just kind of a simple, gentle uh, path of healing. And we've all experienced hurts in life. I mention this not as a shameless plug of mending the soul, though I'm not above doing that, uh, but because your partnership with us uh, is letting us, in particular, translate this into some other languages. This is being translated right now into Russian by a team in Kazakhstan. Uh, it's almost done being translated into Spanish, and, and contextualized, I should say. Uh, it's, we're uh, pretty much done in Spanish, uh, and we'll be starting um, with a language translation for Africa soon. God's at work around the world. Um, there's a lot of really hard, discouraging things that are happening. We see it in the news. But God is at work, and I am so thankful for that. So thank you, Desert Springs, for your partnership with us. Well, thank you, Danny, for that wonderful worship. Uh, I, I, uh, terrific, deep lyrics. I'm no longer a child of fear. I am a child of God. We sang about um, our fears being drowned in perfect love. The beautiful truth. But sometimes it doesn't feel like our fears are being drowned in perfect love. It just feels like we're drowning. According to God's word, if we have put our faith in Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are a child of God. But sometimes we don't feel like a child of God. Again, this has been a tough two years for, for all of us in so many different contexts. Uh, my goodness, for the racial tensions and, and the things that people of color are experiencing. Um, every segment of our society, my brother's a, a brother-in-law is a policeman in, in the Portland area. The stuff those guys have gone through. Many have lost businesses. I, I lost a father-in-law uh, during covid um, many of you know David and Abby, our daughter and son-in-law who are missionaries in Uganda. Uh, David lost his dear mother last summer to COVID. There's just, some have, some have lost businesses. There's just a lot of loss. And amidst the loss, sometimes we find ourselves not on the mountaintop, but in the valley saying, God, where did you go? God, I don't understand this. God, it feels like you have abandoned me. And we don't always feel comfortable talking that way in church. And, and maybe if, if you notice those verses that were uh, up on the screen, that just, my goodness, this is hard stuff. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I, cried, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. My soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Sometimes this is where, I, where we find ourselves. Uh, if not now, it's not if, it's just when. And I am so grateful that God has not given us a sanitized, sugar-coated Bible that, that makes life look perfect, but it's not actually what we experience. Because sometimes life is hard, Sometimes God seems a million miles away. And we might feel like, well, we can't really say that because that wouldn't be a good Christian. Um, and, and there's just this 
intuitive sense, and it's a complete myth, bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people. So if I'm experiencing bad things, something's wrong with me. That just, it's just intuitive. Um, I am so grateful that God has blessed Celeste and I to do the global work we do. Um, God's in his providence, good providence. He's allowed her to have two disorders. Um, they're both incurable. We were at Mayo Clinic again uh, several times this fall, and um, they, they can't cure these conditions, so we're not able to live overseas. Um, God, God called Abby to do that, but we're able to at least go back and forth. And um, last May, I, Celeste and I, she was able to go with me, and we did a series of conferences, particularly for Congolese refugees. And many of these are partners we have worked with for years, some of them for almost 15 years. Um, they have known nothing but war and loss. We've lost many partners um, to the violence. You and I can't imagine going to bed at night literally not knowing if we'll wake up in the morning because there are so many militia attacks. Um, so in that context, God led me to share from Psalm 88 because they're exhausted spiritually and in, in every way. Um, how do we find hope in the darkness? But you don't have to be a Congolese facing, facing uh, warfare to also find yourselves in, in, a, in a dark place, wondering where has God done and how do I persevere when I can't feel God anymore, when it just seems like he's abandoned me. It's hard to keep on in the darkness. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a, in a pitch black cave I was a youth pastor in Tucson years ago, and a friend said, Steve, I got the perfect activity for the youth group. We're going to take them caving. And there's a cave outside Tucson, and it's a big cave. He took me, it's slimy and muddy. And, I mean, it's kind of the, the perfect Halloween cave. Literally, when we went in, bats were flying out of the cave. Um, it was crazy. And we walked... 15, 20 minutes. We got our little headlamps. And then he said, okay, we're going to turn these off now. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of true, utter pitch darkness. But your brain can't, like, you're, we're so not used to that that you, your brain, like, sees light. It, you, 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 it's, it's really weird. But my eyes kept seeing flashes of light, but there was no dark. I mean, there was no light. It was utter darkness. We had our lights off for maybe three minutes. I thought I was going to go crazy. It, it, it's, wow. And then we turned them back on and got out of the slime. But metaphorically, sometimes we're called to live, so to speak, in the darkness where we don't see light. We just don't see what God's doing. It feels like he's abandoned us. This psalm, if that's where you find yourself this morning or down the road, this psalm is for you. This psalm is for us. So this psalm helps us learn how to trust God in the darkness. So Psalm 88, turn there with me if you have a Bible. If you don't, I know, I know there's some Bibles here uh, that Desert Springs would love to give you. Um, as, I, as one commentator has said, this psalm is the darkest, saddest psalm in all the Psalter. It's a wail of sorrow from beginning to end. In fact, the very last word in Hebrew of Psalm 88, verse 18, is darkness. 
So how does that help us this morning? Uh, there are four lessons that I see in Psalm 88 that have really blessed me. It blessed our Congolese friends, and I want to pass them on to you this morning. Because God has inspired this to help us when we find, us, find ourselves in these hard, dark places. And the first is this. Godly believers can experience deep darkness. And I just read these verses one through three. Again, we can feel intuitively bad things happen to bad people. This shouldn't be happening to me. So I must, I must be a bad Christian. But in fact, the writer of this psalm, he's of the sons of Korah. His name is Heman. We don't know a whole lot about him, but, but we know this much. Some of you, and, and I imagine some of you are pretty new to church. You're new to the Bible, and you're still trying to <laughs> figure these things out. So this may be a totally new story to you. Some of you have read the Bible through, and if so, you'll remember a, a man named Korah. Uh, and in number 16, he led a rebellion. Bad idea to rebel against the God of the universe. So he led a rebellion. He was cautioned. He was just shook his fist at God. It was leading the people astray. And really in mercy to the children of Israel, God literally caused the ground to open up and swallowed him. That's... That's extreme judgment. Thankfully, not all of his children followed in his rebellion. Just This is a side note. Um, we're blessed with three children and now six grandchildren. Beautiful grandchildren. If you want verification, see me afterwards. I'll show you the pictures. Got a new two-month-old. Um, but as parents and grandparents, certainly... Um, we, we wonder, what's going to happen to the next generation? Um, where are things going? And some of us, maybe like Dawn, came from family. There are no perfect families, but some of you may have had Dawn's experience where your family was not just imperfect, but downright abusive. Um, there may have been evil. There may have been some really horrible things. The fact that Korah was such a rebel and yet many of his sons broke from that tradition gives me huge encouragement this morning. We are reading a psalm by one of the descendants of one of the greatest rebels in the Old Testament. You don't have to follow. You can break the chain. You and I don't have to follow in negative traditions of our parents, our ancestors. And Korah gives us that example. So we know in Scripture that um, the, the sons of Korah, and Haman, the writer of this psalm, was one of those sons. They wrote uh, 11 or 12 psalms recorded in the book of Psalms. We know that Korah was appointed, excuse me, Haman was appointed by David uh, to be one of the special leaders of worship. We see that in 1 Chronicles. We see in 1 Kings chapter 4 that Heman was a man of great wisdom. He's godly. He has devoted his life to worship. This is a God-fearing man, and yet he finds himself in a really dark place. So again, what that says to us is that godly believers can experience deep darkness and if that's where you find yourself this morning or in the days ahead, that doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with your faith uh, or your walk with God. But we live in a fallen, broken world. 
Let me give you one of my favorite missionary examples um, to drive this point home. As I mentioned, we're not able to be full-time missionaries uh, living overseas, but we get to do it part of the year, and I am so blessed by the example of, of men and women over the decades, centuries, um, who've given their lives to share the gospel around the world. Adoniram Judson was one of the pioneer missionaries in the 1800s. Man, I can't imagine this, but when he, he, he felt called of God to go to Burma, what we now call Myanmar, uh, at, at the time that he went, all the missionaries who had gone there had either died or left. Um, and he was told by the other missionaries, you're insane to go to Burma. No one lives through doing that. There's lots of other places you can go. You can go to India, you can go here. Lots of places need the gospel. Forget it. And that's where he went. When he went to his future father-in-law to ask for the daughter's hand in marriage, and we have a record of the, the letter that, that he sent him, he basically said, I can promise you and your daughter nothing but pain, suffering, and probably death. But I'd like to marry your daughter. Well, how's that for a future? And sure enough, they went to Myanmar. It took them several years of studying 12 hours a day to learn the language. It was six years before they saw a single convert. It was over 20 years before they were able to translate the scriptures into the local language. Um, after 11 years of being there, uh, there was a, a, a war with Britain. Judson was not British, he was English, but he was white, so they kind of lumped those, uh, you're white, well then you must be British. Um, so he was imprisoned and tortured for months and months and months. I think it was about a year and a half. He almost went insane. When he was finally released, his wife lay on her deathbed. All of their children with, with that wife, I think it was three, died. Right at that time, his father died. He almost went insane. After his wife died, he went into the jungle for 40 days. Uh, and the, the tiger-infested jungle. And he, he made a statement at this time. God to me is the great unknown. I believe in him, but I can't find him. See, even godly men and women can come to a point in life where they experience deep darkness, and it's not that they've done anything wrong. We're going to come back to Judson. I'm not going to leave you on, a, on a, such a discouraging note. We'll come back to him. So that's the first point. Godly believers can experience deep darkness, and it may last a while. Two, Darkness can cause us to lose perspective, but God is still with us. Don't miss this point. Notice in verses 4 through 12, the psalmist, he just cries out, and you hear in his cries, he thinks God is gone. And in fact, he says things that aren't even true. Verse 4, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Notice verse 5. He feels like he's the walking dead, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lay in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more. He's saying, God, I don't even think you care about me anymore. Maybe you felt that way. The psalmist, the godly psalmist felt that way. Verse 6, he felt God was punishing him. You've put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. 
There's no reason to think God was punishing him, but sometimes when trials come, we feel it must be God's punishment. He felt isolated and rejected by others. Verse 8, you've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. Verse 10, this is just not true. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? In other words, God, God, you have just quit working on my behalf. I don't even think you're working anymore. He's saying things that are false. They're not true. They're unbiblical. Our God is so amazing. Even when we don't have faith, he never gives up on us. He never quits working. Just because we can't feel him or see him and we cry out in our pain and God wants our honest prayers, that's what biblical lament is. It's crying out to God in our heartache and it takes a lot of faith to do that when it feels like the, he has left your universe. God can handle that. And, and, and the fact that this is inspired scripture tells me God can handle that. So even when we feel things and say things that aren't true, God is still with us. He, does, he never leaves us. Let's keep going. Third principle I see here that's so helpful. God does some of his best work in the darkness. As I said, Haman felt like God had abandoned him, and, and yet he is willing to keep coming. Verse 1 of chapter 88, I think, is one of the most faith-filled verses in the entire Bible. O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. He didn't see how. He couldn't picture it. But he trusted that God was still the God of his salvation. And he kept coming. And he kept praying. And what an example that is to us. And God does some of his best work when we're walking in the darkness. And how do I know that? Here's how. This is the proof. This, this was written over 2,500 years ago when Haman felt like God had completely abandoned him and yet he continued to pray. 2,500 years later, you and I are reading it and it gives us a roadmap when we're in tough, dark times. Can you... There's no way in my, in my way of reasoning that Haman could have pictured that 2,500 years forward into the future that we would be reading the psalm he wrote in his agony in church and using it in worship. Who, how could he have pictured that? You see, God was working in the darkness when he couldn't see it. And God is working in our darkness when we can't see it. And that's why we're called to keep coming, keep praying, articulating our raw hurts and doubts and struggles and fears because Scripture gives us psalms like this. Psalm 44 is actually pretty similar. Not quite as dark, but, but quite similar. Um, there are dozens of lament psalms. Um, and we keep coming. We keep articulating and God does not quit working. In fact, I would argue that one of the, some of the most godly prayers we can pray are the prayers like this 
from the darkness. You know, it's really easy to praise God when you've just been given a big promotion. When the girl of your dreams just said yes to your proposal, when whatever, you know, things are just working out ideally as you had hoped for. Well, it's not hard to praise God in those times. But can you and I keep coming to God when we feel like he's abandoned us and yet, like Heman, we don't quit praying, even if our prayers are really raw? That, to me, is the ultimate slap in Satan's face. You remember in the book of Job, um, Satan went to God and said, take away his health. Take away his possessions, he'll have nothing to do with you. And God allowed Satan to do that, and Job, Job didn't abandon God. He felt like God had abandoned him, but he didn't give up. He kept praying, he kept wrestling, he kept lamenting. That is the biggest show of faith. And God is at work in the darkness. Let, let me bring us back to Adoniram, Adoniram Judson. So this is 100, he passed away 170 years ago. Um, he developed some kind of tropical disease. We're not sure what it was. Um, he was so ill that they put him on a ship to try to get him to a hospital in England, and he died on the way, and he was buried at sea. That's it. Wasted life, right? No. 170 years later, there are over 3 million Christians in, in Myanmar. The church is thriving in Myanmar. And I've talked to Burmese Christians, and they will tell you, we know Jesus because of one missionary named Adoniram Judson. He is our spiritual father. I had a Burmese Christian tell me that just uh, about a month ago. The, the Bible that he painstakingly translated, it took, I think it was 24 years to complete that translation and in the process, all the losses and ups and downs and at times feeling like God had abandoned him, 24 years later, they had a completed Bible. They still use that Bible in Myanmar, 170 years later. So much fruit, but he couldn't see that in his lifetime. He saw pieces, but God was doing something so much bigger that he couldn't see. And if you find yourself in darkness this morning, let me just urge you, hang on, persevere, take your doubt, struggles, fears, pain to God, and don't let go, and trust that he's working in ways you can't see. We have to take the, the, the long view here. And that's exactly what I told my dear Congolese friends. And I have no idea how in the world their situation is just getting worse and worse and worse. I have no idea how God's going to change things. And it may not be in my lifetime or their lifetime, but it doesn't mean God's not working. He always works, and he does some of the best work in the darkness. Well, finally, last principle I see in the last four verses, Jesus is our true hope in darkness. Now, the, this psalm ends on a, on a hard, painful note, but I want you to hear the, what the psalmist is saying here, Heman, and, and see if you can't hear Jesus 
Verse 14. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Does that sound familiar? At least those of you who are familiar with the Bible, Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Wow. We experience sometimes temporal darkness, but Jesus experienced the fullest abandonment so that we would never be abandoned. Ever. Hammond couldn't see that. I don't think he had any idea that his very words were, would be echoed by Jesus centuries later. Uh, Hammond talks about being uh, shunned and, and shamed by, uh, verse 8, uh, by his friends and companions. Jesus was shunned by family, friends, countrymen. Everyone abandoned him. Jesus was abandoned so we could be eternally welcomed. And, and then finally, Jesus experienced the ultimate darkness so we could have the light of life. Again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you might remember that right when Jesus died, darkness covered the land. And that literal physical darkness is a picture of the darkness Jesus experienced so that we would have eternal life and eternal light. So in the darkness, we've got to look to Jesus. One of the good things that can come out of COVID and all the, the, the deaths, the loss, the, the, the conflict, the strife, so much has been shaken. And one takeaway that we all need to grab hold of is this. Life is uncertain. We can have our plans, but those can get turned upside down in, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. There's only one person we can truly trust and it's Jesus and he's enough and he's the hope he is our only true hope at the end of the day I'd like to ask the band to the worship band to come back up we're going to transition now to communion and I can't think of a more fitting way to to finish a sermon on Psalm 88 than to, than to partake of communion so if, if you're uh, watching online, go ahead and grab a cracker, some juice. And you can do this um, remotely with us. Um, for those of you who are here, um, in the pew right in front of you, we have the uh, COVID special form of communion. I know. <laughs> We're all so sick of doing it this way. But praise God, we can still take communion even during COVID. Um, and so... You'll see the little container uh, in the back of the seat in front of you. It's Jesus. Our economy is not going to save us. Our politicians are not going to save us. Our bank accounts aren't going to save us. Jesus is our only hope. And that's what we're celebrating in communion this morning that in the losses of life, in the times of need and suffering and pain, Jesus has come and he suffered and he did it for us. And that is our hope. Eternally, that is our hope. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11 um, that Christ in the Last Supper took the bread. 
we, when he had broken it, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We celebrate the, death, uh, the broken body of Christ on our behalf. After that, in the same way, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is a covenant, the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do this, drink this in remembrance of me. as weak, humble sinners, we come gratefully to you this morning. We're so thankful that you never quit working on our behalf. Whether we can feel you and see you or not, you are at work. Lord, we are trusting that. We are trusting that. I especially pray this morning for those here um, who are in particularly deep places of pain. For those who are just struggling to continue to believe in you, Lord, encourage them. We all need that, and sometimes we especially need it. Lord, continue to show us your goodness in the midst of the trials and darkness of life. And we are so, so thankful for your work on our behalf. Continue to heal and renew and restore us, Lord. We need you and we love you. In your name we pray, amen.